Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 12 Days of Dishmas by Dish Island. Every single day for the first 12 days of December, we are giving you a mini episode with an incredible guest. I'm Paul Verhoeven. I'm Tegan Higginbotham and Paul, I've been trying to find my presents. What do you mean? Well, I know they're somewhere in the house. It's December. They must be here. I've been looking. Oh, right. Oh, I meant to pick those up. Paul! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Look, <laughs> to get away from this very awkward and frankly scary topic, can you please introduce today's guest? Well, it's actually perfect that you brought him up because he is going to chat with everybody about the do's and don'ts of gift giving at Christmas. But mm. for now, he is a mainstay on Melbourne's electronic music scene and the host of the beloved dance music show Coburg Up Late. It's Callum Padgham, a.k.a. DJ Be Kind to Other People. And he is a man who knows how to party well. But he also has some very big opinions on the etiquette of bad gift giving. Paul, don't look at me <laughs> at Christmas time. And he has a desert island Christmas dish that I think is going to be an instant crowd pleaser. Please welcome Callum Padgham. I have something I've been dying to ask you, right? Back in like 2012, I saw footage of Paris Hilton DJing, and I'm using the rabbit fingers here, DJing. Yeah, yeah. I actually saw I saw the rabbit fingers vividly when you said it. Yeah, the, the hateful air rushing against the mic. It's, it's palpable. DJing. But, oh, beautiful. <laughs> oh, my God. That was haunting and gorgeous. But So she's, Tegan, I'm not sure if you've seen this footage, but Paris Hilton, God bless her, she has a MacBook right? A MacBook Air and a pair of headphones. And she's like pretending to mix, but she's sort of just like bopping around. Now, my question is, in regards to this TikTok thing where you think, all right, people are getting tech and they can kind of use it to make mm. you obsolete. Mm. <laughs> which is why they're doing it, just to be which clear. Is, yeah, that's their agenda. <laughs> but as a DJ, are you at all worried that any old Paris Hilton could whack out a MacBook Pro and just sort of play a playlist. And what, like, what's the discernible difference to you, who is a goddamn artist? Oh well, that's that's really beautiful of you to say that I'm a goddamn artist. I resent the term artist, but uh, <laughs> but, but I am goddamned. Modern technology is across all like all disciplines and all creative disciplines is empowering every every monkey to pick up a typewriter and write Shakespeare. And I think that applies for Paris Hilton as well. And I think bloody good on her. And I think she kind of, in, you know, who am I to say that she isn't an artist? And who are, we, who are we to say that I am? Like, I feel like this could be like totally reductive here, but I, I genuinely do believe that we are all artists. And I think it's up to the uh, listener or the audience to discern whether it's art for them or not. So power to Paris. Wow. Look, I... <laughs> I don't know if you've met my family, but I will staunchly refute the idea that everyone is an artist. But on that note, it's not even a related note. Hey, speaking of family, we should talk about Christmas. We should. Actually, there was the, the really obvious segue just staring me right in the face. Callum, are you a fan of Christmas? Yes, I love Christmas. It's such a fun time of the year. I love going to uh, Ligon Street, Carlton, three days before Christmas and feeling like it's Christmas and walking into readings and buying an estranged family member a book. I love Christmas. 
What's your price limit when you're buying someone that you're kind of, but not really close to a book? Are you is like a 30, 50, 75? You... Paul, you get so angry with me with the money that I spend on people at Christmas. I don't get angry. I just think you, you go, all right, well, while I'm here, I may as well. Right, so you, you don't follow the price limit. You follow the perfect gift for the person, yeah. even if the person is never going to get you anything anywhere even equivalently mm. good. Do you know yeah, why but- you're going to double hate me this year? Why? Well, because we're kind of having to celebrate our, um, Callum, our Christmas in two parts. We're going to do a mini Christmas in Gippsland for half the family. Oh, nice. And then it's really exciting. We're going to go to Sydney and see most of Paul's family for the first oh, time wow. and celebrate with them. But right. what this means is that some people are going to have to have one set of presents for the, the Gippsland party and then a second set of presents so they have something to open open on Christmas Day for the second bit. Paul, all that money we've earned this year, it's gone. Oh, <laughs> God. Two sets of presents, Tegan. Paul, you're kind of speaking about presents as though it was transactional. Do you, do you, and, and I'm sorry to, to, to flip the interview on you for a moment, but do you believe that we should be getting gifts for the sole purpose of receiving them? I don't know. I just, my problem is, Cal, I get a lot of stuff. So I typically have, I think what I resent on principle is bad taste. So what... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. What is what is You've got the with, wrong guest. But you know, you know when you get a gift that is, I don't care how much it costs. But if it, there are certain gifts that mean something, right? They can be mm. free. They can be five thousand mm. dollars. Like if if they mean something, and if they're if they, you know if it's the right thing, then it's great. So what I kind of chafe against is just a dumb present that I'm that I that I'm not going to use. And mm. because I have the weird ADHD thing going on, I find it. Re- <laughs> and Tegan can attest to this. I find it impossible to mask my revulsion at a bad present. Yeah, you're a goddamn oh. monster. Oh, do you mean like in front of the 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 gift der the gift der? Yeah. Yep. Oh wow! How is that, Tegan? How is that to deal with? Is that tough? I'm going to reveal something. You know, it looks like we're all being quite candid. <laughs> yeah. We have once done a dress rehearsal where I got Paul to practice his opening the present faces at me so I could say, no happier. (laughs) We practiced in advance what he would do with his face in case he didn't like the presents. And he turns out he did like the presents, so all that was wasted time. Guys, but don't, this you is... ever, don't you ever worry being so candid on such a public forum? Like, nah. It's lucky, it's lucky Tegan, that your family... Don't I, listen. Don't listen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, I know. But how do you feel about... I mean, how do you react when you get a present that you do not want, Callum? Mm, I think I've got a pretty good poker face, Paul. Right. Although now I need to be careful because anyone that I know and love and will receive a gift from, like, I'm going to try and be genuine and like, okay, this is to anyone that has ever or is intending to get me a gift. Thank you in advance. And this gift genuinely does mean the world to me. Now, to speak candidly with you guys, I pretty much fake it every time. No. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, no. I'm just- I don't know. I feel like you might be, you might be actually telling the truth. Can I ask you both a serious question? Oh. Look, if you get a thing that is dumb... Right, then what? What purpose does it serve to pretend it's good? Because if it's let's say there's something that is going to take up a lot of real estate, right? Like Mm. someone buys you a fucking sculpture for your front yard, right? A lot of money, it's huge, and they're really happy with it. But you do not like it. Mm. There's then this bull dance for years and years. We have to like find a place for it or bring it out every time they're visiting. (laughs) Whereas you can't all have a laugh at like, oh man. Can I return this and get something out? Look, why can't we be honest? Is there a... No, I, think, I think, okay, Paul, yep. there's a lot of things you've got to take into account. Yep. One of those things being the intention of the person who bought it for you. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you can put people's taste on trial every Christmas time. Why not? I mm. also think that you're forgetting that we have chosen a very particular lifestyle, and that is a child-free lifestyle, mm. where we can frit away four hours on a weeknight just, just 
shopping for people and, and coordinating our um, gift wrapping and ribbon selections. Mm. That's not a luxury for most people. I mean, what, what is your thoughts on this, Callum? Basically, if you don't like a gift, should you be able to tell the person that you don't like it or give it back without fear of judgment and hate? But don't we just think a gift is just a token of, of love? And like it, by by giving it back or telling someone you don't receive it, I think in a way you're kind of just saying I don't understand the way that you love me, or or even more so. And sorry, Paul, this might sound brutal, but like I don't understand you, you know. Like, yes, but is, ah, ah, that's interesting. Now, but isn't a present that is dumb and doesn't like doesn't hit the mark? Isn't that then them showing that they don't understand me? <laughs> I mean, earlier you were talking about a f***ing sculpture and I was just imagining that on my front lawn and I was like, gee, that's, that, I feel like they understand me quite well. I guess we could take this conversation one step further and say that there are situations where one feels obligated to buy a present for so many people yeah. and I think maybe that's where it gets tricky. If Christmas was about choosing a very small handful of people that you know intimately, love very much and just getting them gifts, maybe it would be fine. But it's that strange outer ring, the kind of let's just get them a candle and hope for the best sort of group. Maybe mm. that's where we all need to... <laughs> not get them a candle. Yeah, not get... We maybe need to step back from the consumerism, go back to the idea that just seeing them on Christmas might be enough and save probably hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Yeah, yeah. do you think that Christmas has lost its way in that regard? It's very. It's definitely very materialistic, it's, but it's been materialistic for ages. I mean, when I mm. think of Christmas, I don't necessarily think of gifts. I think of, like... Feelings. I think of Vince Guaraldi's Charlie Brown Christmas album, and I think of the smell of gingerbread, and I think of what it feels like to be in front of a fireplace, um, because this whole country is a fireplace. Um, <laughs> but for me, yeah, Christmas, the presents maybe are a thing that, that sometimes they feel like a burden, right? Mm. Uh, and sometimes maybe the best thing to do is just get someone like food or something that'll be gone once it's been experienced, right? Yes, which is a wonderful segue in itself because I believe the best part about Christmas in the, finally, it, it is also consumerism, but I think in a really wholesome, nourishing way, is mm. food. What's your idea of a dream Christmas spread? Like you rock up, is it a full day thing and do you have multiple courses? Are you cooking any of it? Like what is Christmas food for you? Well, look, I know you're not specifically asking me right now what my Desert Island Christmas meal is, but I'd like to give you that answer now, if that's yeah, okay. do it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so in response to that, I think when I actually think about Christmas Day, what I'm really thinking about is Boxing Day and that being specifically <sighs> leftovers. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think it's the next day, which is actually the golden era of not just Christmas food, but food in general. Because it's all of the best food, but none of the pressure, I suppose, to necessarily talk to anyone. Um, I feel like the one time I'll stomach watching the Boxing Day test is when I'm stomaching my seventh ham sandwich for the morning. Cal, I think you have hit onto something really special here because you're absolutely right. Boxing Day is this 
golden moment where all of the the obligations and responsibilities, the potential quarrels, it's all gone now. Mm. The pressure's off, right? Don't you think that there's so much pressure the day before, like everything has to go right, the whole family well-being is riding on it. Yeah. But then it's, it's out the window, you know, the next day. I, oh my gosh, you've actually, you're just unlocking all of these really wonderful happy memories of Boxing Day for me. Good! Was, was Christmas unhappy, then Boxing Day was the inverse or what? We, no, I've, I mean, I've got a super long and complicated history with relationship with Christmases because there have been highs and there have been lows but last year in particular it wasn't the most successful Christmas day there was a lot of uh, emotions I'm sure I think this year as well with things politically socially there are going to be a lot of heightened emotions for people this year as well I'm really aware of that but the day afterwards we'd bought my dad a drone and we went down (laughs) to the park and it was that thing it's it's as you're talking about just to pause for a moment Paul is that a stupid gift a drone? Yeah. Uh, no, because Tegan's dad likes gadgets, uh, is a child at heart, and enjoys the possibility of overhead surveillance. So, um. so we went down and we grabbed him a drone, and he was like, "Oh!" And then he's, you know, he's flown it around a few times. Yeah, yeah. No, he has actually. It was great fun. But you're right. We were just eating. We we're just sitting there playing with our toys yeah. and eating, and it was great. So, okay, this is good. But I think. I think I'm still going to need to push you here to narrow down because in the plethora of leftovers, and there is there is a whole world of leftovers. Well, right, it's it's literally anything, right? It is. I'm, I'm now for me. I when I think a Christmas leftover, it's a cold turkey and cranberry sandwich. That's that's what it represents in my head. Do you get like do you get like do you get like brie or something going on on there? I think you should. Yeah, brie, turkey, cranberry, maybe some rocket. Yeah, white bread. Yeah. Although although if we are talking strictly leftovers, like what what are our rules here? Because I'm not sure if there was brie on the Christmas table the day before. Like basically, how strict are we going with these leftovers? Is it just a turkey? turkey sandwich with cranberry. And was there any cranberry the day before, Tegan? It's a very good question. I mean, if Anthony Femia, the cheesemonger, has anything to do with it, we will all have a course that involves cheese. So I think in our case, yeah, sure, I can picture there being a tiny sliver of leftover brie. Great. Um, but the cranberry is a very, very interesting, interesting thing to put out. Yes. So in answer to the question that you're about to ask, I became a veggie in lockdown, but I'm one of those lousy vegetarians who keeps inventing carnivorous loopholes great yes i think that i think a lot of people will relate to that yeah, well actually paul you might relate to that uh, to some extent because i i from you know from being actually like a fervent listener of your podcast i've noticed that you have a few loopholes yourself paul um but mm. where are you sitting like what are your cheats uh well the che- so cheating so the first loophole is christmas yeah. Without a doubt. And then that loophole then extends to the following day because I suppose if the animal's already dead from the day before, it's still going to be more dead the next day but more tasty. Um, <laughs> for some reason. I don't know. It's like it's got that like congealed fat on it from the fridge overnight. You, you know exactly what I'm I talking do. about. I do. That bit, it's kind of when you lift the meat off the plate, it sits there in a little yellow brownish ring. And it goes, mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. It. And then you don't tell your family that you licked the plate and put it back. You don't lick the plate, Cal. Oh, my God. Nor do you tell your family, Tegan. Um <laughs> Yes, uh, so the actual dish itself, and I I think this also certainly applies to Christmas Day, but I I think that you were lying to me earlier when you said it was turkey because I think the universal answer is ham. But if Mm. you are having a leftover ham sandwich, like what else is in there? Oh, that's good. Okay, now this also extends to the what was on the leftover tables the day before. Mm. Um, 
my family are quite uh, generous, I suppose, with, with what's on the table the day before. So more often than not, there will be a lot of other stuff in that sandwich. I actually think the hero of the sandwich, um, beyond the ham, is the Master Foods hot English mustard. Really? Yeah. And I love that you've done a little bit of a brand drop there as well. You are very specific. You know, if finally, even just talking about it right now, if I can just take you through what's happening in my body, like I'm having a physical reaction to thinking about that little kind of uh, that little yellow jar sitting on the top shelf at Woolworths. Like it, my mouth is watering, my body's contracting. Put that in me and on me right now. That's arousal <laughs> is what you're describing. Either that or an allergic reaction. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh I God. just want to know that somebody's at home with you right now. Yeah, I just feel so sorry for my partners if this is arousal. <laughs> Honey, bust out the hot English mustard. So you've got hot English mustard, you've got ham. Uh, what, what's the bread situation? Mm, oh, I mean, like I'm, I, I feel like I'm a bit of a bread snob and, I, and my family is too. I was raised the right way in that regard. So yes, it would be, it would be sourdough. Okay, and you can't just have mustard, ham, and sourdough. Like, what else is in there? I don't know. I'm sure. Why not? Why can't you do that? No, you can. I'm just, I'm trying to provoke you into bragging about what's in your sandwich. Seems like you're telling me what I can't put on my leftover sandwich, Paul Verhoeven. You tell me, what are you putting on the sandwich? No, what are you putting on the (laughs) sandwich? All right, I'm going to, I'm going to break it up, guys. Break it up. Um, Okay, Cal, I... I love it. I actually really do. And I think this celebration of leftovers and acknowledging the glory that is the day after Christmas really is something. The only reason I'm going to stand my ground on my turkey sandwich versus your ham sandwich. Good. By the way, I do like that much of this podcast is an argument. That's good. I love that we're having sandwich wars. This is what Tish Island really is. It's about coming together so we can divide quickly. Oh, good. Um, (laughs) Is Darren Hayes still here? Yeah, he's still here. He's still on the island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm hoping to um, kidnap him and revive Five Savage Garden for this year's Carols by Candlelight. I feel that you guys will have quite the allegiance, but um, <laughs> I the only reason I'm going to push back is because, as we've heard from two of our other guests, mm-hmm. uh, Jared Madden, uh, senior artist with the Australian Ballet, his mm. dish island, his desert island dish, was a ham, cheese and tomato toasty. That's right. So I feel that this is sort of an all-year-round thing, whereas one of the things I like about Christmas is that there are, or my Christmas, yeah, it's there are so few things, parents... If your kids are listening to this, I just want you to distract them for two seconds while I talk really (laughs) candidly about a certain somebody who brings us presents every year. So once I I stepped back from my faith and that I no longer believe in, you know, the baby Jesus story element of Christmas, nor do I believe that a man is going to break into my house at night and bring me presents um, because Paul lives with me so that he's the only one that would do that. I I let him in. It's not technically a burglary. Once you lose those two fantastical elements, I find that therefore it becomes about finding your own meaning on that day. And sure, Mm. there's love and family and peace on earth and all that crap, but I think turkey is really important too. This dreadful dry bird that no one eats outside of holidays because it f***ing sucks. Like eating, it's like the chipboard of birds. Tegan's argument for why they cost so much is that they're expensive. I'm like, no, it's it's a false scarcity. No one wants to breed them except for these two times a year. It's it's like it's it's really weird. It's become the it's the whole it's the Valentine's Day of birds, right? It's it's a manufactured market for a thing that wow. sucks. The clear highlight of the day already uh, and tomorrow on the Boxing Day of today is of course going to be this podcast. It's been an absolute honor. Um, honestly, to come and chat to you guys as friends, but as entertainers as well. I really admire and respect what you guys are doing. I think it's really special. Oh, thanks, mate. Thank you so much. And a preemptive Merry Christmas. And a preemptive Merry Christmas to you too, Paul. And Tegan, I'll see you at the work party.
Well, I'm pretty sure I've upset most of the world listening to this show with my bizarre and very angry opinions on gift giving. I don't think I'm wrong, by the way. You are wrong. You absolutely are, Paul. And I will put that out to the audience. If you agree with Paul, let us know. If you vehemently disagree, also let us know. You know, weigh in, basically. But thank you for joining us for another episode of the 12 Days of Dishmas. We'll be back tomorrow morning with chart-topping fantasy author and an incredibly accomplished home baker, you're going to absolutely love her. Her name's Violetta Embargia, and she has the most wonderful take on Christmas that I've heard yet. In the meantime, make sure you tell everyone about this ridiculous thing we're doing because we're only, we're not even halfway there. We're not even a third of the, I can't do maths anymore. It's been incredible so far. Thank you for all the love. We will see you first thing tomorrow morning for more of the 12 Days of Dishmas. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.